0: This morning we're picking back up on a series, it's a relationship series that we've been calling from this day forward and in this series we're looking at some things that are vital to having healthy relationships. Now, a lot of the content has been directed toward marriage and romantic relationships, uh, but some of the principles go much further than that, too. They're just relationship principles in general. You know, we, we can apply them to uh relationship with coworkers or even church members or friends or family. And, and so we hit some of those along the way. But a few things that we've been talking about. Week one, we talked about God's design for marriage. Uh, We can see that God created male and female, two genders, not as clones of one another, but to serve as complements to one another. And therefore, we encourage you, don't try to spend your entire life making your spouse just like you, but rather embrace their differences. A marriage license is not a construction permit. Can somebody say amen this morning? Supposed to say you should have been a better amen. You missed your opportunity. All right. And then uh, week two, we had Pastor Steve Felder with us, and he walked us through how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. There have been numerous studies published that say the number one predictor of whether a relationship will last or not is not if you fight, it's how you fight. It's how you fight. That's the number one predictor of whether your relationship is going to be long-term or not. You see, some of us are prize fighters. We are the Mike Tyson in our home, right? We want to fight to win at all costs. But in the end, we end up losing because even if you, quote, win the fight, in the process, if you wound the person you're supposed to love, then it is a net loss, so our goal should be to fight for resolution while still showing love, honor, and respect even while having conflict. Somebody say amen. amen. Last week, part three, or, or a couple weeks ago, I guess was part three. We talked about having fun. Having fun in your relationship. And fun might not sound like a very spiritual topic, but the scripture is clear that fun is actually an investment into our relationship, and it pays big dividends. So be intentional this summer about finding some ways to enjoy the important relationships in your life. And again, this could be marriage. This could be dating. This could be with your your kids, your grandkids. Just be intentional about finding ways to to have fun and enjoy one another. Patty and I did something yesterday, the first time we've ever done it. We rented, we're down in Frederick, and we rented electric bicycles. Anyone anyone ever uh, do? An electric bicycle. That baby tops out at 21 miles an hour. And uh, she wasn't comfortable riding on the road, so we rode in a cemetery. And I was doing 21 miles an hour, and then I realized this is probably not the place to do it, so I I slowed her down. And we we just did something we hadn't done before. The day before that, we hiked seven miles together, and we're just spending some time together. Summer is a great time to make an investment in your relationship. Now, our topic today is going to apply to everyone. In fact, say this with me. Just say, he's talking about me. I am. I'm going to talk about you. God's going to talk to all of us, including me. Our topic this morning is what I call the great equalizer of the Christian faith. It's the great equalizer. It puts us all on level ground. Because no matter how you're doing in your Christian walk, this is an area that every one of us has struggled with at one point in our lives. You, you, you might not struggle with anger. You might not struggle with substance abuse. Maybe, maybe your speech is always pleasant. Okay, well, maybe you've never stolen anything or hated your brother. But this issue, this issue is one that you'll just, ne- just not hear anybody say, Oh, I'm good with that. I've, I've never struggled there. I've never, never had a problem there. Topic today applies to all of us, whether we're married, single, dating, applies to every one of us. All right, what's the topic? Well, let's open up the Bible to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. So we can see from Jesus, Jesus is a regular church goer. A lot of times people say, well, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, that's stupid. (laughs) All right, that's it. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus died for the church, and you really can't know Jesus unless you have a relationship with a local church. Because if you're just out here on your own, you're always going to think you're right you got to have some people to rub elbows with. Iron sharpens iron. you you got to be in the body of Christ to love the Christ. Jesus was a churchgoer, and it says he came early. So apparently he went to the first service. So good on you, <laughs> right? Verse 3, then the scribes and the Pharisees, very religious sex here, S-E-C-T-S, sex. The scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, they, they didn't have a sincere question. They were trying to set him up. They were testing him. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. They think they're going to get Jesus to contradict Moses. They think they're going to get the New Testament to contradict the Old Testament. They're trying to catch him up in something. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. I like this. Jesus had selective hearing. If anyone ever accuses you of that, just say, well, I'm just being like the Lord. <laughs> WWJD, right? So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, Watch what he says. He who is without sin among you, let him, let that perfect one, the one without sin, you go ahead and get us started today. The law said if she's caught in adultery, she's gonna be stoned to death. It's a brutal way to die. She's there, she's caught in the very act. There is no doubt she's guilty. Jesus said, okay, boys, he who is without sin, go ahead, take your rock, and get us started. And then he stooped down and wrote on the ground again. Verse 9, and then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one. Can you imagine the scene? Here she is, broken humiliated, ashamed, probably partially clothed. She's embarrassed. Her sin has been revealed to everyone. They're ready to kill her. Jesus speaks and he writes. Wouldn't you love to know what he wrote in the sand? Now, if you Google it, you'll find a thousand different preachers telling you their opinion of what he wrote. But we're not told. It's only speculation. We're not told what he wrote. We don't know for sure. But whatever happened in this moment is so powerful that it convicts their hearts, and you hear her sobbing, but then you hear rocks dropping. A rock dropped, and a guy began to walk away. The next rock drops, man begins to walk away. These are scribes and Pharisees. These are religious people. Rock drops. They begin one by one, they all walk away. This is an incredible story. Imagine going to a Bible study. You're sitting there, you're listening to Jesus Christ teach. And in walks a group of angry men, probably one on either side of this crying woman. They just throw her at the feet of Jesus. This is an intense story. In our introduction today, I said this topic is the great equalizer. It's the issue of purity. It's one that touches us all. Therefore, there is no room for pride. Something happens in this moment. And these men who were very self-righteous and very judgmental, trying to trick Jesus, and punish this woman at the same time, something happens in their heart. And they realize (laughs) they're not without sin either. And they walk away. Verse 10, it's now it's just Jesus and the woman. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, so he waited till they all left, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Can you imagine the relief that's in this woman's heart at this moment? Can you imagine the gratitude? she is experiencing from the moment she was dragged from the act of adultery to this moment she had been dealing with the fact and and wrestling with the thoughts that she was about to be stoned to death it was a brutal way to die did she have a family did she have children what would happen to her kids if she was killed i mean she's been tormented by these thoughts of this brutal death but now it's just it's just she and jesus and instead of condemning her he offers her grace He offers her forgiveness, and he offers her truth. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The NIV translation says, go now and leave your life of sin. So he offers her this awesome grace, this wonderful forgiveness, but he also offers her the truth. You see, this was no gray area for Jesus. He made it clear that what she was doing was wrong. It's sin. Friends, God is the creator of human sexuality. And he is the designer of the one flesh relationship. That's what what the Bible calls it, a one flesh relationship. And that relationship is designed for one place and one place only. The only blessed and safe place for physical intimacy is in marriage between a husband and a wife. Now, for about the last 60 years, there has been something happening in our nation. We began pushing for a revolution in this area of our lives, and it was, it was the idea that we should each be free to pursue pleasure with anyone we want. The idea was that, you know, physical intimacy that's only reserved for marriage, that, that, just, seems, that just seems oppressive. It seems old-fashioned. And, and, and we're told, you know what we need to do? We just need to remove all constraints. We just need to liberate ourselves from these strict boundaries and pursue pleasure wherever and however we'd like to find it. It was a revolution well we're now 60 years into this revolution and if you've got 60 years of something you can track some data in 60 years you can track some results in 60 years and and I don't think this is a surprise to anybody but I'll just go ahead and say it the results are in the revolution has been a failure We're not better off. We're a mess. We're not freer. We're not free at all. We're in bondage. Our families aren't stronger. They're broken. Our society isn't healthier. We are sicker. We were told that women would be empowered. It didn't happen. In fact, we can't even define what a woman is nowadays results are glaring we started a revolution and yes we we succeeded in removing the stigma of sexual sin but just because you remove the stigma of something does not mean you can remove the consequences of it i'm going to say that again just because you can remove the stigma of something and celebrate it in the streets <laughs> does not mean you can remove the consequences of it. And we are suffering the consequences. I could tell you all day long that fire won't burn you. I can tell you that over and over again. I can write books about the safe way to play with fire. I can run ad campaigns and come up with slogans and t-shirts telling you that fire is harmless. But if you stick your hand in the flame, you will be burned. I cannot remove the consequences of your actions. And for the past 60 years or so, we have worked overtime trying to convince people that we will be happier people if we throw off all constraints in this area of our lives. But here we are, and the consequences are staring us in the face. They cannot be denied. Abortion, adultery, broken homes, divorce, fatherlessness, Pornography addiction, abuse, human trafficking, other addictions. It's impossible to exaggerate. I don't, I don't care what I say today. It's impossible to exaggerate the results of the failed revolution. We were promised freedom, but instead we got brokenness. Many of us in this room have experienced brokenness. Many of us were abused. The stats tell us that one in three women in a church have been abused. One in six boys have been abused. Some of us have been stung by the betrayal of an affair, an unfaithful spouse. Some of us have bought the lie of of a promiscuous lifestyle. And and, and again, we were told it was going to empower us, but instead we've gone from partner to partner to partner. And we've got nothing to show for it but emptiness and a bunch of bills. As a culture, we're not well. I know it. You know it. We all know it. Our kids have lost their innocence. They are introduced to things at such a young age, and their hearts and their minds just aren't ready for it. But yet our culture seems just... I mean, just bent on trying to advance their agenda on them at younger and younger ages all the time. This month, it's almost impossible to buy some cookies or a box of cereal without having our kids being told how to think and feel about sex. Can't we just let our children be children for a while? For the love of God, let them play in the yard, ride a bike, go for a swim, get dirty, eat a stick or something. (laughs) Right? We don't need propaganda infused into their cookies and their cartoons and their clothing and their education. They're going to grow up too fast anyway. Let them be kids. This morning, my message within this series about relationships is really... It's really simply this. We all, every one of us, need to pursue purity. And this applies to single people, dating people, married people, young people, old people. This applies to all of us. This is an area that Jesus was so incredibly clear about. I know we live in a a day of confusion. And one of the roles, some of you are just mad at me right now. I can't believe he's saying these things. I got the mic. You don't. But one of the roles of the church is to be a voice of clarity in an age of confusion. And Jesus was not confused about anything. And look at what he said in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 27, he said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Jesus said, this was was the law. This is in the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, but, everybody say but. Jesus is about to raise the bar. He's not about to blur the lines. He's not about to get gray. He's not about to get 50 shades of gray. Some of y'all reading that like it's a devotional. Burn that baby. He's about to raise the bar, not lower it. He's he's not going to compromise at all. He said, you've heard it said of old, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say, Jesus says, To you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He ain't done. Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. This is Jesus—warm, fuzzy, huggable, lovable. Jesus just said this. Why? Come on, Jesus! I thought you—I thought you—I thought you came to do away with all that stuff. No. He didn't come to—he didn't come to do away with purity. He came to raise the bar. He's not just concerned what we do with our hands. He's concerned what we do with our hearts. Friends, the reason that Jesus is being so serious about this matter is because he wants what's best for us. The scripture is not about God. Do you realize God's okay? God's fine. He doesn't need this boundary. This scripture is for us. Jesus knows when the one flesh relationship is experienced. Anywhere other than marriage, what he designed as a blessing will become a destructive force in our lives. Sexual sin is not worse than any other sin. Like like on a scale, like, well, you know, it gets a 10 and this one gets a 4. No, 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 no. It's not worse, but it is different. Because it impacts us in unique ways. Scripture says it is a sin against our own body. Scripture says when you have a physical relationship with someone that is not your spouse, that you are defrauding them. You're, it's, it's like you're scamming them. And it's also a sin that spreads in a unique way. That's why in the early church, if a person was living in ongoing, unrepentant sexual sin, the apostle Paul said, hey, you got to get them out of there. You got to get them out of there because it's going to spread throughout the church. It sounds harsh. But it's harsh because the results are so destructive. God gave us physical intimacy as a way to experience and express love. It's meant to be a bond between husband and wife together. It's holy and it even has the ability to produce children. But if it's taken outside of the boundaries of marriage, it produces pain and brokenness. I know this sounds weird. When you live in our culture, because our culture encourages us to treat it casually, it's like it's no big deal. But on the other hand, now God is saying, hey, I, I've set up these boundaries to protect you. Let me ask you, when you're driving down the road and, and you see a guardrail, you see a guardrail on the side of the road, do you, do you look at that and you go, ugh, that stupid roads department. Like, they just put that there to steal my freedom. They know I want if I want to run my car over that cliff, I have every right, it's my car, I ought to be able to run it over that cliff if I want to. I can't believe how oppressive our government is by putting that guardrail there. That's silly, right? You know they put that guardrail there for your safety. When God puts boundaries, guardrails around the issue of physical intimacy. It is there for our safety. You see, when you are intimate with someone, whether you are married or not, you are becoming one flesh with that person. You are joining yourself to them in a way that I don't think we even fully comprehend. Now in marriage, the joining together is an awesome blessing. It knits you together. It gives you strength and comfort and joy. But when you have physical intimacy with someone you're not married to, you're still creating a bond. But because this is happening in a temporary, non-covenantal relationship, when you end up cutting that tie, and most of the times you do, you end up cutting you both. When you cut the tie, it cuts you both. This revolution has failed. It's not empowered anyone but Satan. It has simply created a generation of refugees who have found themselves in meaningless relationships and brokenness. And this morning, God is calling us to return to true love, true righteousness. He wants to heal us of the shame of this generation and restore his people to a place of strength, honor, dignity, and purity. Can someone say amen this morning? For over 20 years, I've been listening to people's secrets. That's a lot of what you do as a pastor. You listen to secrets. And I can tell you this. Almost everyone has regrets in this area. Almost everyone. And this morning, if you do, condemning yourself is not the solution. But neither is living your life on repeat. Go and sin no more. The name of the series is From This Day Forward. There's not a lot you can do about your past decisions. But you can decide today that you're going to repent. Allow the blood of Jesus to wash over you. And from this day forward, lean into the strength that He provides. This morning, some of us might need to end a relationship. Like today. We know it's toxic. We know it's no good for us. We know it's sinful. We know God can't bless it. We might need to end it. Some of us might need to move out of a home. It sounds, it, it, it sounds radical. Jesus said, remember, if your eye just like, get rid of it. It wasn't literal, but he was showing how serious it is. Some of us are in relationships that aren't honoring God for a lot of different reasons, and I get it. Some of us have been divorced, and we're like, we don't want to go through that pain again, so right now we're just, we're just living together, and you know maybe when the time is right. Let me ask you, when's the time going to be right? You're lying to yourself. You're fooling yourself. Time's never going to be perfect. We're called as the people of God to honor him in this area of our lives. And if you're saying, I I don't understand why God's not blessing me. Listen, he loves you. (laughs) He loves you with an incredible love. So much he died for you. In, in this sin, I, I'm not condemning anybody today, but what I'm saying, it's hurting you. God loves you so much, he wants to deliver you from that pain. If, if, if you're in a long-term relationship with someone, I mean, either, either start making plans to get married right away or end the relationship. Otherwise, you're just playing games. Like what, Pastor? Weddings are expensive. No, I'll do it for you for free. I think the, I think the license is forty bucks. If you truly don't have the forty bucks, I'll give you the forty bucks. Patty and I got married right here in Oakland, Maryland, as teenagers. Stop making fun of West Virginia. They wouldn't let us get married. Your state did. Uh huh. We had three hundred dollars to our name but my aunt said davy if you don't honor god he won't honor you that was 32 years ago god is faithful some of us might need to cancel cable or netflix We can't handle it. Some of us might need a a filter on our internet or get rid of the filter on our internet. Some of us might need to delete some apps. We can't handle them. It's too much temptation. It's too easy. Some of us might need to get rid of our smartphone because our smartphone is is making us dumb. We're making dumb choices. And maybe we just need to get rid of it. Some of us need to stop having sleepovers With the person we're dating. I know he's sleeping on the couch now. But don't be stupid. The Bible says make no provision for the flesh. If you're having sleepovers, you are making a provision for the flesh. Scripture says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You are literally leading yourself into temptation. That's normally the work of Satan, but you are doing it yourself. Some of us need to end an affair. Here's something I didn't understand when I was, I became a pastor really young. I was like 21 years old. I had no idea that there were people in the church having affairs. And the first time I ever found out about one, it like rocked my world. I was like, how are they coming to church every week? They lift their hand. They sing goodness of God. They sing these songs about my Jesus. And, 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 and while the sermon's going on, they're sitting with their wife texting their girlfriend. It blew my mind. I didn't think people actually did that. People do it. If you're here today and you're having an affair, I pray that you get found out. But what would be better is I pray you'd repent. Do you know how much destruction you're causing? Do you you want your kids to know about this? I love you so much. That I'm willing to risk you not liking me to tell you the truth. You need to end that affair today. Some of us need to stop the flirting before it ends up at an affair. You like it. It pleases your flesh. You like the attention. I get it. We all like attention. But it is dangerous. And you got got someone you work with, someone you're involved with in the community, and you just got this flirtatious relationship all the time, and you are married. You need to stop that right now. I'm preaching so good today. I'm going to buy a copy of this CD for myself. What's our solution? It's not a what. It's who. It's Jesus. How many rocks got thrown when the woman was found in adultery? Zero. Why? Because everyone in the crowd was guilty. I'm, I'm standing up here so you can see me but I'm no different than you I got a microphone so you can hear me but I'm no different than you we all fall short of the glory of God we all miss it we all struggle we all have temptations we all make choices sometimes that don't honor God today this is not a place of condemnation it's a place of grace It's a place of forgiveness, but it's also a place of truth. And God's truth calls us to repentance, calls us to holiness. It calls us to purity. We need to seek his forgiveness. We need to seek his healing. We need to renew our mind. Think about this area of our lives differently. It's not our body. Our body was bought with a price according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It now belongs to God. And then finally, we need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You know what today is? Today is in church, on the church calendar, big church, capital C church. Today is Pentecost Sunday which celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit, which first happened 50 days after Easter. You might remember the story when the disciples were gathered, praying in the upper room, and the Spirit of God came, not only to fill the room, but He filled them. And on that day, the church of Jesus Christ was born, and that church changed the world. Well, this morning, if you're a believer in Christ, do you know His same Spirit, that same Spirit lives in you? And Jesus said that his spirit would be our comforter and our counselor. He called him our teacher and our guide. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us, which means we're not alone in our pursuit of purity. He is here to empower us to live free from sin. So when you hear a message like this one, don't leave here condemned. But if your heart is convicted... You know, you've been making choices that dishonor God and are hurting you and others. Then today is a time of repentance and learning how to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me and we're going to pray today? God doesn't need a committee here, God needs you, God needs your heart. He's talking collectively to a church, but he's talking to you personally. And I'm just going to ask everyone to bow your head for a moment. Today, if he's convicting your heart, again, understand that he's not trying to keep you from pleasure, he's not trying to keep you from anything that would be good for you. He loves you, so he put up a guardrail, (laughs) he loves you, so he created a boundary. Today, I don't know what he's saying to you, but you do. If the Holy Spirit is talking to you about an area of your life where you need to pursue purity, would you surrender to him? Would you find the courage to say, Yes, Lord? I'm not going to make excuses just going to give you my heart today. I'm going to ask you to show me the way. Maybe a mess has been created because of some of those choices. Ask him, say, Lord, show me how to unravel this. Show me how to untie this knot. He's faithful. He'll do that. And if you sincerely seek him, he'll bring that healing, that repentance, that Forgiveness. Surrender your life to him today.